And of course, I was praying for our internet audience, and I'd like to uh, uh, acknowledge all of you that are joining us now and will be joining us later on as we go in. But I was praying for the audience and especially every one of you in here. I've got every one of your names on my prayer list with many other people that's not here, but you get your name called uh, uh, when I go to prayer. And here's what I was praying for you in Colossians 1 and 9. It said, so ever since we first heard about you, we have kept on praying and asking God to help you, um, asking God to help you. My print's so small in this particular Bible, so just bear with me a minute. Um, understand what he wants you to do, asking him to make you wise, now notice this, make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him so that you will always be doing good, kind things for others. Isn't that an awesome prayer? Well, see, that's what I pray for you every day. While all the good time you are learning to know God better and better. And that's why we have experienced life churches teach you to teach you to know how God loves you and for you to learn that and grow spiritually and become a better person every day of your life and continue to grow and not allow the things around you to keep you from Stepping into something better. Not allowing the offenses of life to keep you stagnant or stale or to keep you held back. But to realize everyone, everyone, the Bible says you have an opportunity to be, offensed, be offended or you don't have to be one or the other. So, you know, I'd rather not be offended and have the peace of God in my life than to be offended and to be kept from the blessings of the Lord. Well, did you enjoy the worship this morning? I'm telling you, I enjoyed this morning, and I just believe the Holy Spirit is here to bless you. Well, I'm not going to take any more time. I'm not ministering from the message this morning. I'm ministering right now, but I've asked our one of our pastor, Pastor Al Rowan, to come and minister and preach to us this morning. So I want you to open your heart and just receive what the Lord has given uh, Pastor Rowan. Let's welcome him to the platform this morning. Before I uh, get into what I have to say, I wanted to pray for a, a dear friend of ours and a family uh, in Georgia. I received this message this morning. I'm just going to share it with you. If I, uh, if I would bring in a model family today to display what I consider a model family, it would be this family. Uh, they have, I think, four children, three or four children, uh, all of them boys but one. Uh, the youngest is a little girl. But uh, their teenage son, uh, Gabe, let me just read this and, and you'll understand. It says, good morning. I wanted to ask you to please lift our family up in prayer today. These past few months have been an emotional roller coaster. 
It started in January when Gabe collapsed on us in the hallway. I knew by looking at him, and Courtney is a nurse, I knew by looking at him that that night that we could have lost him. But God is all I can say. God is all I can say. It was because of that episode that God blessed us with wisdom and persistence. We discovered that Gabe has a congenital birth defect that most people find when they do an autopsy. It's the number two leading cause of death in young athletes. Gabe is a high school wrestler. Uh, he has an, I hope I pronounce this right, anomalous, anomalous left coronary artery that is actually further complicated than they originally thought because the artery actually grew into the center of his heart. Everyone that we have seen up until this point has basically said it is inoperable due to his age. Gabe has been referred to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston where they have an actual anomalous coronary heart program with a team of doctors and surgeons waiting to review his case. Michael and Gabe are leaving for Texas today. The next three days will be lots of intense testing, including MRI, stress test, and possibly a heart cath. Uh, please pray with us for wisdom in these doctors, protection around Gabe, and peace in all of our hearts as we go through this. I am so confident in the way God has held us through this time that he is guiding and leading our every step. There is a huge testimony unfolding here. My eyes are focused on him and him alone. Thank you for your prayers as I know that you both are real and genuine and faithful. If I ask you to pray, I know that you both will. And I'm thankful for you. <clears throat> A brother and sister in Christ that we can come to. Aaron updated me on your health. I want you to know that I'm praying for you as well. I messaged Courtney back, and I told her, and Pastor, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to, to pray this morning, lead this prayer. Uh, thank you, Brother Al. Uh, I just felt, uh, I normally wouldn't do this. I know nobody here knows these people, but many prayer requests we get from uh, the Internet, from you that are, are writing to us on the Internet, and even around the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We don't always know everybody. But we don't have to know you to pray for you. And prayer is actually, uh, it's not only a weapon, uh, but it is a weapon. But it is a connection that we can make with each other around the world. Now just think, these people uh, live in Georgia, Macon, Georgia, near Warner Robins, where Linda and I were living before we uh, moved to Texas. And we got acquainted with this family when I was teaching a class at the Encounter Church in Macon, Georgia. Uh, Courtney was, as I said, a nurse. They had moved to Georgia from West Virginia, so we were talked about how close we were when I was pastoring in Pennsylvania. They were in a neighboring state of West Virginia. But uh, I, these boys, they worked as parking attendants in the church parking lot. Uh, they were just active as teenagers. From the time they were able to do anything, they wanted to do something in the house of God. And we're getting ready to activate some of our 
teenagers and pre-teenagers here I've been talking to about working uh, in, in our church here at Experience Life. But I thought, Pastor, you would be uh, very appropriate to pray for this. Uh, uh, if they're watching today, if Courtney or any of the family is watching, they don't know that you and Pastor Sharon uh, lost a son. I believe he was 15, and I believe that's right around Gabe's age. Uh, he's a specimen of a, a young man. As I said, he's a wrestler uh, and a winning wrestler uh, on the wrestling team at his high school. Uh, th these young people are so kind. When Linda and I would park our car, they would meet us at the car. They would usher us in. I don't guess it was because we're old. <laughs> no, I think they did that for everybody. But what I'm saying is that they are, they're dependent, as you can tell on her remarks, they're dependent on the prayers of people that they believe are real. Somebody that they know if they say pray for me or pray for my son that we will do it. We won't just say praying, but we will actually go to prayer. And I've already messaged her back and told her that we're going to be praying with her and that if I needed to drive from here to Houston, I'd be glad to do it uh, to be with the family and be in prayer with them, whatever they needed, and that we also have friends in Houston that could come over and, and help them. So I want you, if you would, to stand this morning while Pastor comes, and uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I just felt in my heart uh, that you would be a very appropriate person to, to pray this morning. So Pastor Don's going to come, and then I'll come back to, to give the message. receive a prayer request like this, I think what we should do is put it if, if it was us. And if we put it it was our family, then this gives us much more compassion to pray for someone else. And this young man, Gabe, I believe is his name, I just believe that the that God will do something supernaturally today. And so as we get in agreement, and you in the internet, and I just saw, I don't even know where South Cabo or something, but some lady, Gina, I believe it, I'm, I'm not going to get your name, but uh, people from different parts of the world are watching right now. We want you to agree with us right now for this family that God's healing power will go to Gabe and his heart will be restored. God will just give him a better one than he had before it went bad. Amen. You say, well, that's, that's a lot of big stuff you're saying. Well, God is big stuff and God does big stuff. So, Father, as we come into the throne room of grace today, for this particular family that loves you and we're so grateful this morning that we know you as our Lord and that we have been commissioned to pray for one another. And as 
grace as the people here in Experience Life Church pray grace over this family and the people in different parts of the world that's a part of this service. As we get in agreement, Lord, we just believe that your holy angels are surrounding this family. And Gabe right now, and you, you are touching his heart. You're doing a miracle for him right now. You're even doing what the doctors can't do. You're making him better before they even have to go. Father, I just believe you today. This is a special time. This was a, a, a concern for this family, asking us to pray. So, Father, we want to do that, number one, because they ask us, and then your word says, for as we pray one for another, we will be healed. So we believe today that a supernatural healing is taking place as we are in agreement right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor. You can all be seated this morning. Uh, I'm going to take my time. I guess that's dangerous. Uh, I'll try to condense it uh, even though, because I don't want to rush what I have to say this morning. I want it to penetrate uh, into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits. I'll start off by, well, let me thank Pastor Don, Pastor Sharon, for always giving me the opportunity to speak here. They don't have to do that. Uh, and uh, Pastor Sharon made it doubly difficult for me by giving that good message last week. But uh, I, I, I want to share a little bit that most of you here already know, but maybe those by Internet have not heard about this. Uh, for the first 43 years of my life, uh, I enjoyed almost perfect health. I can't hardly remember a sick day. I mean, I did have my tonsils taken out when I was four years old. Don't remember it, but they told me I did. Uh, then I had the chicken pox and the measles like, you know, most kids do. Uh, but you don't consider that anything, you know, to worry about. But at 43, age 43, I was diagnosed with diabetes, uh, which changed, radically changed my life at that time. I was about 42 years old, 43. Uh, after that, I had double laparoscopic hernia surgery. After that, I had a large benign hernia removed, or, or tumor, I'm sorry, removed from my back, leaving some nerve damage to my lower right hip, uh, which has ended up being a blessing because that's where I take all my injections. <laughs> Can't feel them uh, for the nerve damage. But following that, in 2009, I had open heart surgery. Then in 2012, my first melanoma surgery in my right shoulder. Uh, after that, it was followed by two more surgeries in my right arm, both time removing uh, new melanomas. Uh, that was followed by the removal of part of the middle lobe of my right lung because of melanoma. Uh, after all those surgical removals of melanoma, uh, the melanoma appeared in my chest cavity. Uh, I refused to be treated with chemotherapy. I just didn't, I prayed about it, and I didn't feel to do it. And I said to God at that time, Lord, if you're ready to take me, you know I'm, I'm prepared. I might not be ready, but I'm prepared. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. You know, sometimes we're, I'm always prepared, but, you know, I might not be ready to go out on the next load. And that's kind of what I was saying. Lord, I'm prepared, but maybe I'm not ready to go just yet. And I really didn't feel that it was my time. So uh, they said, well, we can treat that with radiation, 
but we still suggest that you have uh, immunotherapy. So they treated it and did the immunotherapy. I had some horrible side effects for the immunotherapy, so they had to discontinue that because I had this heavy rash break out on my body from my neck down to my ankles. Still have some. You can see from time to time. If you think I have acne, I'm too old for that. Uh, this is some uh, side effects of some of the drugs uh, that are still in my body. And after I went through the chest uh, cavity operations or the medications and so forth, I was doing really well. I, I, I have to say I felt good all during these battles. Thank God. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't dragging around. I felt good. I felt victorious. I felt like an overcomer because that's what I am. But then the, uh, the melanoma appeared in my liver this last time and has currently been treated by radiation and immunotherapy again. Along with all that, I had two blood clots in my left leg that kind of laid me up for a little while. Now, I'm saying all of that to say this. Each and every time I would have an incident like this, afterwards I would say these words, and he brought me through. And he brought me through. He did not deliver me from, but he brought me through. Somebody said, well, what's the difference? A lot of difference. <laughs> A lot of difference. When uh, the three Hebrews made their statement to Nebuchadnezzar, they said, the God we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but. See, we don't think there's ever any buts, ifs, and ands. There are sometimes. They said, but if he does not, we have no intentions of bowing down to your image. We have no intentions of changing our relationship with God. We know what our God is capable of doing. We know that our God can keep us from the burning, fiery furnace. But if he does not, it don't change a thing, King. See, when the devil comes to you or, or some negative person comes to you and says, well, you know, I thought your God was going to heal you from that or I thought you weren't going to have to go, go through that particular situation. You can say, well, look, I know who my God is and my God is able to deliver me from, but if he does not, I still refuse to bow down. I still refuse to bow down. Now I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 47, the first 12 verses. I'll read them as quickly as I can, but I want you to have them uh, as a foundation for this message, and then we'll refer to them uh, as we need to as we go on. And that's why I said I want to take my time this morning, because you must get the foundation in order for everything to come together for you. The 47th chapter of Ezekiel. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and water was flowing out from under the threshold of the temple eastward. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from under from the right side of the temple south of the altar. Now hear these words. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate 
that faces east, and the water was coming out on the south side. When the man who had the line in his hand went eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, that's 1,500 feet, and he brought me through the water. The water reached the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the water. The water reached the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the water. The water reached the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the water had risen, enough water to swim, swim in a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Lord, add your anointing to the rest of this message today. All right, when the man that had the measuring line in his hand, that was Jesus, when the man with the measuring line in his hand measured in increments of 1,000 cubits, and he did that every time, he, he brought them through, then he measured another 1,000 cubits, another 1,500 feet, and it said the first time the waters were ankle deep. Now how many are, are, are at least there? Are you at least ankle deep? Are you sure? Are you sure? Say, <laughs> so, well, Pastor, you must have some kind of trick up your sleeve. No, I don't have any trick up my sleeve, just my arms. But I want to read you these verses from Hebrews chapter 6, and then we'll be done with the scripture reading. We can proceed with uh, uh, the message part. Therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. I want you to think about that because uh, that's ankle deep as far as I'm concerned because God lays that out as the foundation, the principle, first principles. And it includes a lot of things there that, that most of us believe when we first got saved and still believe that and have never moved too far away from that. Nothing wrong. I'm not saying anything's wrong because you've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Lord, what must I do to get into your kingdom? Jesus said, well, you must be born again. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born of the Spirit of God. So it, we, we realize that that is necessary but it is, not, uh, it is not where we ought to stop. I mean, in other words, when we are saved, when we're born again, and uh, when we're baptized in water, and when we do these first principles, uh, Hebrews calls them the first principles, that is not a stopping point. You know, when I was growing up as a kid in church, uh, a lot of people would testify. We had testimony meetings back then. And a, a very common testimony would be someone to jump up and say, I'm glad I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. Pray that I'll hold out till the end. Remember that one, Pastor? I mean, it was a common testimony. Uh, just about everybody had the same testimony. Maybe it would vary a little bit from time to time. But it, it sounded like, you know, well, here, I've arrived, and now I'm waiting on Jesus to come back. 
<laughs> I'm saved, sanctified, filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. Pray that I'll hold out, hold on until the end. I call that a holding on experience. And somebody said, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's, it's according to who's doing the holding on, you or God. If you're doing the holding on, it's a battle all uphill. But when you learn that God is doing the holding on, his hands don't, don't get tired, his fingers don't get tired. He don't say, oh, I'm about to drop this child of mine because he's doing the holding. Now, you're going to get this after a while and you're going to get happy. The man that had the line in his hand measured 1,500 feet and he brought me through. Now, you need to rem remember something. Anytime God brings you through something, that's an indication that there's more to come. Now, that may disappoint you, but that's just the facts. When God brings you through, God never brings us through something so we can dust up our hands and say, well, I'm finally done. Finally finished with this Christian. I've got all that I need to get from God and I'm just going to you know, level out here and I'm going to camp out here until Jesus comes back to get me. Now if that sounds strange to you, it really shouldn't sound strange because that's where most Christians are right now today. They are saved, they're sanctified, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're waiting on the rapture. And, and a lot of us come here every Sunday. We come here to have a good time, to celebrate with each other. Nothing wrong with that. But afterwards, we go home and we continue our wait. Lord, I'm waiting on the rapture. Come and get me out of all this mess. You and I are supposed to be straightening out the mess. We're not supposed to be asking God to deliver us from the mess, but here we are in a mess, in the mess, and it's not even our mess. I mean, sin is somebody else's mess. I, I didn't enter into this world and commit my own sin. I was born into sin because my great, great, ever how many greats you want to go, grandfather Adam sinned, and it was passed on down to me. So here I am in this sin mess. But I found out how to get out of the sin mess was to give my sin to Jesus that he nailed it to the cross and now my sin is no longer a mess for me because I've been delivered from and out of the mess. But there's some things that I am not delivered from that in this life God sees fit that instead of me de be delivering from it, he sees a need for me to go through it. But I've learned not to care because every time I read those words, and he brought me through, I know that no matter how big the mess, I know a God who can clean up any mess because he's bigger than the mess. Pastor just got through saying how God can do big stuff because God is big stuff. That's why. You know, I don't like anybody that thinks they're big stuff except God. And that's because I know he can back it up. I know that he is a great God, a mighty God, a supernatural God. Now let's look for just a second. If you're in ankle deep waters, you know how to patty cake. You know how to pat your hands, clap your hands. You know how to shout hallelujah. You know how to do a little two-step sometime in church and get your dance going. You know how to do a few twirls. And, and, and you're in what I call that uh, manifestation mode. You're into fleshly manifestations. Nothing wrong with them. Hey, I do them too. I shout, I dance, I lift my hands, I do my little holy twirl uh, whenever I want to. So most of the time now it's at home so I won't fall down 
I got to have plenty of room. So, you know, sometimes now when I twirl too much, I get a little dizzy because I'm a little older than I used to be. So I do it in private sometimes. But hey, if I ever want to do it right here in the house of God, I will. I did it a few Sundays ago when we were singing that chorus about, you know, he turned us around. Like, I'm going to do it just to let the devil know that I'm still qualified to shout. I'm still qualified to dance in the spirit. I had a lady come to me once after a real shouting service, and she said, hey, Brother Al, I want to know why uh, when you're dancing in the spirit, you don't shut your eyes. She said, you know, you sh should shut your eyes if you're really in the spirit. I wanted her to, to quote me chapter and verse for that, but I knew she couldn't. So I just said, the reason I don't close my eyes, darling, is so I won't bump into anything. I said, I notice when you dance, you bump into everybody. Maybe you should open your eyes. It's amazing the ideas we have in our mind, isn't it? What we're supposed to do because we're, quote, Pentecostal. You hear Pastor talking about it sometime that he's about to have that Pentecostal fit. He feels it rising up. I know what he's talking about because I used to have those Pentecostal fits, and I still do sometimes. I still have them because I think there are times when they are appropriate. I think sometimes when the devil just keep agitating me and agitating me and agitating me, I say, Satan, right, just hold my coat because I'm going to have a Pentecostal fit right now. I'm going to dance right in your face. I'm going to shout right in your face. I'm going to praise God right in your face. Just hold my coat while I shout. Woo, hallelujah. But some of us, we get to that point that, that I'm calling ankle deep waters. And, and we camp out there. And, and some Christians never move beyond the ankle depth. And if you notice, the, the, the man with the line in his hand here, Jesus, did not stop measuring at ankle depth. He did not. The Bible says that he measured another thousand, indication that there's more to come, because it said, and he brought me through, and the waters were too my knees. Now we're starting to make some progress because when we get to that knee-deep depth, that knee-deep experience, we are praying more. We are developing our relationship into a fellowship. Remember that old song, friendship with Jesus, fellowship divine. Oh, how blessed this sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Now we've changed it over and say, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He called me friend. But either one works. What, what, I, what point that I'm making here is when you get to that knee-deep experience where you are praying more, because what is prayer? It's communication with God. So when you're talking with God more, and I'm going to tell you something right here, you're not going to have the experience with God that he wants you to have, that he desires for you to have until you pray more. Dr. Roy Gray was the chancellor 
of Miracle Valley Bible College for a number of years. He was also the chancellor of R.W. Shambach's Bible College right here in Tyler, Texas. Uh, he was uh, the first, I believe, chancellor of Amy Semple McPherson's Bible College in California. Uh, he, was, uh, he lived to be quite an uh, old man, uh, well up in his 80s, from Scotland, a Scottish man. And uh, I, I love that, that old man. I loved him because he was a prayer warrior. And when he was way up in his 80s, he told me this story. He said, Brother Al, I was praying and asking God what I needed to do more. And he said, Roy, you need to pray more. <laughs> now, you'd have to know Dr. Roy Gray to understand. I mean, if, if I was God, which I'm not, and you should be glad, <laughs> I wouldn't be as merciful as God. Don't tell me you would, because I know you're just like me. You'd kill some people if you could. I would have said, Dr. Gray, you need to pray more. Because I knew he was a prayer warrior. He walked in prayer. He prayed in tongues more than he prayed in English. He was always, if you said two words to him, he just might break out speaking in tongues in prayer. Mark. Buntain, missionary to India until he passed away, was the same way. I picked Dr. Muntain up at the Pittsburgh airport because he was coming to speak for us one weekend. And uh, he got in my car. I'd never met him before. And he, you know, did the pleasantries and we shook hands. And uh, he lay back in the front seat, passenger side, and I was going to drive. It was about a, about maybe 45-minute drive back to the hotel, back to uh, near to our church. And so uh, when he got in and, and we exchanged pleasantries, he said, Pastor, I hope you don't mind, but I'm very weary, uh, and not only from the trip, but he had been certain uh, missionary places prior to coming to us. He said, if you don't mind, I'll just relax, uh, and, and we can talk later. But, but between now and the hotel, when I told him it was 45 minutes, just give me a little nap time. And I said, don't worry about it, Brother Buntain. We're happy to have you. And he lay back, and for 45 minutes, I kept waiting for him to take a nap. For 45 minutes, that man talked in tongues all the way to the airport. And when he got there and started to get out, he said, I sure do appreciate the break. I am so refreshed. You want to know how to be refreshed? It might not be a nap you need. It might be a 45-minute uh, dialogue with the God of the universe in a language you don't even know how to speak. But the Holy Ghost knows how to speak it and so he speaks it through you and God understands it perfectly and so the Holy Ghost is saying to the Father, this man or this woman need a refreshing so Lord I want you to refresh them while they are praying in a language they don't even know about. The Apostle Paul said we will pray with the understanding and we will pray in tongues that we do not understand. I believe that praying in tongues is the purest form of communication with God that you can possibly have because it is spirit to spirit. You don't understand, but he understands. God understands what you're going through. And God understands all the mountains that are in front of you, all the valleys that you have been going through. God understands and he is willing to come to your aid and touch you in a tremendous way. Now, let's go just a little bit further here. This knee-deep experience 
this relationship, this fellowship, uh, you'd think that's a pretty good place to camp out. You know, let's just stop right there. Don't dare bother this microphone. That's a, to turn it down for them. Don't turn me down. Amen. Next time we're going to bring Pastor some cotton for his ears. I, I used to pass out free cotton. You told me y'all used to sell earplugs. We might have to start that again. Especially when I'm up here. I'm a big mouth. I'm a loud mouth. Somebody said, well, you must like to hear yourself. No, it's, it's like these rock musicians. Warren used to be a rock musician. And so he knows that they found out that so many decibels will move a crowd. And decibels plus the Holy Ghost will move everything. Just tease. It's okay, Pastor. I was just having fun with you. <laughs> All right, let's, let me remember, uh, I want you to remember what he brought me through indicates. It indicates that there's more to follow. There's more to come. Amen? Amen. I want to draw your attention to something specific here. He measured 1,500 feet, brought me through, and the waters... Now we're to my loins. We've gone ankle deep. We've gone knee deep. Now we are loin deep. Water to my loins. I guess you'd call that half in and half out. You know anybody like that? They're half in and half out. It's decision time when you get there. Half in. Half out. Up until now. Up until this loin depth, there's been more flesh above water than beneath the waters. More flesh exposed than buried. How deep you go now depends on how much flesh you want to drown. How much flesh you want to bury. Some of you are there right now. Some of you have been there for a long time. And you wonder what's wrong in your life. Why, uh, why am I not progressing? Why can't I get you know, off dead center here? It's because you're still carrying too much flesh. Flesh is a stench in the nostril. I'm talking about our flesh. Our will, our way, our desire, what we want. Putting it ahead of God. God don't like that. God says when you come to him, your rights end. And his rights begin. See, we don't like that. In America, we demand our rights. Well, I've got my rights, you know. No, not if you belong to God. If you're God's love slave, if you're bound to God, not because you have to, but because you want to. You're bound to God, not because he forced you, but because you volunteered. I'm in God's volunteer army. I stepped out when I saw him just like Peter and John and Matthew and I said, Jesus, I will follow you. Can you remember when you made that choice? Remember when you made that decision? Now I'm going to read a couple more verses and then pull all this together. But I want to go back to Ezekiel 47 because we didn't finish. And I want to read these verses. Then he brought me 
and caused me to return to the brink of the river. This is verse 6. When I had returned, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And then he said to me, these waters flow toward the eastern region and go down into the valley and enter the sea. When it flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Every living creature that swarms wherever the rivers go will live. And there shall be a great multitude of fish because these waters shall flow there and the others become fresh. Thus and so, everything shall live wherever the river cometh. Say, well, so... After this, I want you something really important here. Verse 5 says, After this, he measured another 1,500 feet, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Now, do you notice, and he brought me through, does not appear here anymore. At first, he measured 1,500 feet, and he brought me through. The waters were to my ankles. In other words, when we first started, he had to measure the depth, and he didn't want us to be afraid. And so he walked with us. The man with the line in his hand is Jesus. He, he, he measured 1,500 feet, and the waters were to the ankles. Then he measured another 1,500 feet, and the waters were to the knees. Each time that the man with the line in his hand measured, he was covering up flesh. Because the deeper that Ezekiel went, ankle deep, uh, you know, then just his ankles were submerged, but the rest of him was above water. Then knee deep, and there was, uh, you know, still more of him above water than beneath. Then loin deep, he reached that point, uh, let's call it maybe the point of no return. You've got to make up your mind. You realize if you go any deeper, if you go any farther, that you're going into uncharted territory. See, an ankle-deep Christian can still see everything on the shore because he's closer to the shore than he is his spiritual destination. Uh, there's a song that says pilgrims standing on the shore looking out across the tide. Don't wait anymore in the shadows of doubt. Where the deeper waters flow, there is joy forevermore. There is glory for you. So wait on out in the waters and be baptized. Why are you standing on the shore? Looking out across the why are you waiting in shadows of doubt? There are deeper waters to tread. There are higher mountains to climb. There are greater experiences in God than you have ever had. So why do you keep rehashing all of your old experiences? Pentecostal Christians are the most needy people I know. I'm sorry. We're needy. You meet one of us, we need something. You don't have to get upset about it. I said, we. That includes me. As a lot of times I say, Lord, I need. I need. And yet the scripture tells me that of his fullness, I have already received. We say, Lord, I want to get closer to you. No, you don't. If you did, you'd get closer. 
But you can't get any closer than somebody living inside you. We'll say, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I need. The Holy Ghost, he's in there. And we sing the chorus. My Jesus knows just what I need. Oh, God, I need this. I need that. And he says in the scripture, your heavenly Father. Knows that you have need of all these things. Don't worry about your eating. Don't worry about what you're putting on. Don't worry about those things. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. So, well, pastor, you know, what, what, what kind of Christian am I? You have to answer that question. I'm just telling you, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled with where you are? I've been a Christian since I was 15 years old. I'll be 76 this August. I have never, ever in all of those years reached a place where I said, well, you know what, Lord? I'm so glad I'm where I am now because I've got it. <laughs> well, I don't know. We, we used to sing a song in the black church when I preached in a lot of black churches. I got it. I got it. I got it, I got it. Something about the Holy Ghost, I don't understand, but I got it. He's not a it. He's not a it. So whatever you had was a it. Because if you had the Holy Ghost, I say, you ready to throw something at me? If you've got the Holy Ghost, you are filled. We say I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen. Where's your illustration when you, you, know, you had the, the, the glass that was filled and then you overflowed that glass? If we're filled with something, there's not room for anything else. So if I am filled with the Holy Ghost, there's not room for anything else. You say, well, you, you just got through telling us you've had cancer, you've had open heart surgery, you've had blood clots, you've had this, you've had that. That was in my physical body. But in my spirit, there's room for nothing but God. In my mind, there is room for nothing but God because I'm going to push out every thought that is not godly. I'm going to push out of my mind everything Satan suggests to me that I know is against the Word of God. And I'm going to say, on Christ, on Christ, the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing on the solid rock. How many are standing on the solid rock? Shout yes. Praise God you are here and you're all awake too. Let's go a little bit further. He measured another thousand. Brought me through. And it was waters risen. Waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. When you get in swimming waters, a depth of water you can swim in, then your flesh is submerged. Your head stays above water. Who is the head of the church? Yeah, you can answer because that's true. So Jesus should be above. He's the director of my life. I can be swimming in that Holy Ghost river, but Jesus is the head directing me. 
through every path that I will walk, through every valley that I will go through, through every mountain that I will encounter and climb and conquer, as I swim in this river of the Holy Spirit, I have the head, which is Christ. Christ is my head. If he's the head of the church, that makes him my head. And, and the Bible says to allow the mind of Christ to operate in us. See, when we get into trouble, it's not because we don't have the mind of Christ, because we do, but we're not allowing it to function. We're not allowing it to operate. Whenever you think it, you're going to get in trouble. If you act on your own thoughts and you don't pray about it and you don't wait on God and you say, Lord, if, if I, I have to stand here, I'm going to stand here. What did Job say? All the days of my appointed time. We all have an appointed time on this earth. And Job said, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Huh? He said, I know something. He said, in my flesh, I shall see God. And his flesh had been eaten off his body. But he said, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter what I've been going through. It doesn't matter that I've lost everything. It doesn't matter that my spouse doesn't understand me and says, it's time for you to curse God and die and get out of my life. He said, I'm going to stand here. You remember that song? I'll be here till the morning comes. I'm going to sit right here and I ain't going to run. We used to, uh, the Foggy River Boys from up, uh, up in Tennessee around your area used to sing a song. Who is that knocking on my front door? Who is that leaving like they did before? Who is that saying, I hate this place. It must be the devil with his old suitcase. Satan will come and knock on your door. He's got his wares. He's ready to dispense. He don't even sell them. He'll give them to you for free. But what you have to do is say, you've been here before. I know who you are. I discern you. Now, devil, you're not a surprise to me. I know. You know, when Cassius Clay, before he became Muhammad Ali, and he was going to fight the championship, they said, you don't seem to be too worried about it. Uh, Ali, you don't seem to be too worried about it. He said, I'm not worried about it at all. I have studied my enemy. I know that his best punch is his right cross. I know that he likes to lay on the ropes and play rope-a-dope to draw me in. I know my enemy, therefore, I will defeat my enemy because I have studied him and I know his tactics. You need to open up this this rule book and find out about your enemy. You need to know the devil. You need to know his tactics. You need to know how he's going to work. And then you can relax in the arms of the Holy Spirit and say, I know who that is knocking on my front door. And I know who's going to be leaving just like he did before. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm standing on the rock of ages. I'm safe from every storm that rages. I'm rich, but not in Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Woo! Hallelujah. Standing on the solid rock. 
Did you ever know uh, Brother O.L. Spears, pastor? Brother O.L. Spears was one of the voice of healing evangelists. And uh, we had him at our church a number of times when I was still working with Sister Good. Uh, and then after I became pastor of my own church, I invited him. He was a very unique man. He was not a real excitable man. He didn't stand on his head ever that I knew about. He was just kind of meek and humble and very quiet, just the opposite of me. But he, when, when he would really get to feeling it, Joy, when he would really, you know, start to feel the Holy Ghost bubble in his soul, he'd look over at me and he'd say, Brother Al, Brother Al, I'm a feeling glory. Brother Al, I'm a feeling hallelujah. Mm. <laughs> and when he said that, you know, sometimes your hair would just kind of, you thought, this man said he's a feeling glory. He, and you could just feel the electrical charge of the Holy Spirit. You see, you don't always have to be loud like me. You can be quiet. Elijah, the prophet of fire, we call him, he was used to very demonstrative uh, appearances of God. He was used to God coming in earthquakes. He was used to God raining down fire from heaven. But on one occasion, he went into a cave, and, and, and he, he, he didn't you know, feel any earthquakes, and, and he didn't see any fiery appearances. But uh, he heard a still, small voice. It said when he heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. He knew he was hearing God in a different way for the first time in his life. What I'm trying to get across to you today is this. Don't think just because God moved in your life a certain way once, twice, a dozen times that he can't move in a different way. Don't think just because you entered into God in a very shallow depth to your ankles that you're supposed to stay there because there's a man with a line in his hand and he wants to measure another 1,500 feet because there's something out there you don't have and he wants you to have it. Well, Pastor, what if I have to suffer to get it? Well, what if you do? Jimmy Swaggart used to sing a song. I still sing it sometimes. The chorus says, you don't need to understand. You just need to hold his hand. You don't ever have to ask the reason why. Did you know when you say you trust God, the word trust means unquestioning belief? So if you're going to question God, don't say you trust him. I believe uh, there's something in our words. And we say we believe it. And then we say I trust God and walk right out and question him. Don't question God if you trust him. I think I've, I've told you how our son Michael, who's about six foot two or three now, but he was a little short guy for a long time in his life. And up till he was about two or three, 
I could put him up on our mantel place and say, jump to daddy, and without question, he, would, he, he just jumped. I could have stepped back and let him hit the ground, and you know what that would have done to him? He would have said, well, I can't trust my dad. He told me to jump to him, but he didn't catch me. See, if you trust God, and God says jump, go ahead. You can trust God. You don't have to quit. Well, Lord, what if nothing's there? Well, what, what, see, well, what if you would have said that, Joy? What if you would have said, instead of getting the miracle you received, if you would have said, well, Lord, eh, it's over now. It's over. What I'm asking for is impossible. It's not going to happen. They've told me it's not going to happen. But you didn't do that. You went ahead and you jumped out in faith. And you just kept jumping. I've seen you jumping here all the time. So I know you kept jumping. And you kept shouting. And you kept praising. You kept believing God. See, just because we hear things that are negative or the enemy tells us negative things or our friends sometimes tell us negative things, sometimes the doctor. Many of my doctors have filled me up with negativity. I mean, when I left, I'm, you know, I'm listening, I'm, thinking, I'm repeating some of that, and then I have to stop and say, well, you know what, I don't need to be repeating that. They said, well, what did your doctor say? Every time that I go, some family member, and I know they're well-meaning, well, they call me and say, what did your doctor say? <laughs> what, what did my God say? Okay. See, my brother, who's with the Lord now, lived to be a little, he wasn't quite 91 when he passed on, but he didn't go to doctors. <laughs> now, I can't say he had great faith because he just didn't want to spend the money. He didn't. That was the reason he didn't go. And he'd tell you, I'm not going to give no doctor my money. I'm going to go to Dr. Jesus, he would say. And he did. And he lived to be, like I said, past 90. I mean, I hadn't been 76 yet. I feel like a young sprout compared to 90, 91. And yet, he took everything to Jesus. Give it all. Give it up. Remember that song? Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. He will turn your heartache into joy. But you got to give them to Jesus. You got to give them to Jesus. After you reach the loin depth, as I said, it doesn't say he brought me through, but it says here's a river now that cannot be passed over. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor Al, if I can't pass over this river, what am I supposed to do? Keep swimming. Keep swimming. When I learned to swim... They put a, a little deal out in front of me, about 10 feet, I guess, or two, I don't remember how far, but I thought I could reach it. And they would say, all right, now remember all of the strokes, everything we taught you, and swim to this buoy. And what I didn't know was the guy was continually walking away from me. 
so I began to swim and I started to think, well, it sure didn't seem this far the first time that I swam to the buoy. And, and the guy, he wasn't a sadist or anything. He didn't want to kill me. He wasn't trying to drown me, but he wanted to build up my confidence that I could go farther than I thought I could. And I can tell you, I've been through some things in the last 20 years that if you'd asked me prior to that, I'd have said, well, I don't, I don't think I could make it through that. I don't think I could go through that. But then when I did, Brother Mike, and I said, and he brought me through, I started to learn I could go farther. Have you ever said, Lord, I can't go another step if you don't speak to me? And he didn't speak to you, but you went another step. What he was doing is saying, look, you can go as far as I take you. You don't have to worry about how far you can go. As long as you're in me, as long as you're in this Holy Ghost River, you can, you can keep going. You can keep enduring. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. We're in an endurance contest right now. We're enduring. I, I'm, I'm having fun while I'm enduring. Yeah, I am. You know, I don't, I don't have fun everything that, that I encounter. I don't have fun everything I go through. Right, Sister Carolyn? I mean, there's some things that just ain't fun. But God says, I'm going to take you through this. I'm going to take you through this trial. I'm going to take you through this experience. I'm going to take you through this. And while I'm taking you through, you're going to be learning some things. I can tell you this. I feel, if feelings have anything to do with it, they don't always. But in this area, I can say I feel closer to God than I have ever felt in my life. And I don't say that, I, I use the term feel, but I say that because this is more revelatory to me than it's ever been. Uh, this speaks to me more deeply than it ever has. This is something that I, I cherish more than I ever have. And when I can't touch God, I can touch this. When I can't carry God around in my arms I say well I can if I carry this this is God this is God in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God and is God I want everybody to stand with me I want to pray this prayer before pastor comes back I believe God wants a mighty church. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel like God is going to come back after a church weaker than the church he left? Then we better get on the ball. Because the early church in the book of Acts I heard someone say the other day, and I firmly believe this, uh, the book of Acts was not named appropriately because it's called the Acts of the Apostles when it was the Acts of the Holy Spirit because we don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. We cannot accomplish anything without the Holy Spirit. And so the Acts of the Holy Spirit are written in this book for us to not only to to just read but for us to memorize and to put it like David said in my heart 
so no one can take it away from you. I've got enough of this in me now that if they confiscated and burned all our Bibles tomorrow, they still couldn't burn what's in me unless they burn me. And if they do that, I could be like some of the other martyrs and just say, Lord, I think Joan of Arc said, Lord, just take the heat out of the flame. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to give up myself, give up my life. So God is going to be calling on some of us in these end time days to be his voice, to be his witness. And sometimes to stand up takes some courage, takes some guts to stand up and speak for Christ in an environment or an atmosphere where everybody is against you. I think you, uh, Pastor knows Rick Renner. I don't know him, but I read his devotionals every day. And I was reading this morning, I believe it was, uh, where uh, one of their sons has a great gift of singing and music and he was to sing in competition in Russia where their, their ministry has been for many, many years in Russia. And he said when he and his wife walked into the hall that night, he had never felt a more oppressive atmosphere, a more demonically controlled atmosphere. And he began to be concerned about his boy. And he said to his wife, he said, I wonder how he is going to go with him because this atmosphere is permeated with demonic influence and demonic power. And he said, but when his son got in there, I think the song he was going to sing was about a man that was 2,000 years old. Of course, we know who that was. And so he stood up when all the other songs, all the other music was demonically inspired. And one young man stood up boldly and sang a song for Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he said that they stood and they applauded and they applauded and they applauded and they applauded. All these people, he said, I, I don't think there was probably one Christian other than us in that place. But you see, when God puts the Holy Spirit in a man and a woman and a boy and a girl, when God puts his Holy Spirit in you, you can stand up in your school. You can stand up at choir rehearsal at school. You can stand up where de demons are everywhere and you can say, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. How many are ready? I want you, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of the person closest to you. Just reach out, put your hand on their shoulder. Heavenly Father, I pray right now and I pray for those watching by internet that the Holy Spirit would usher into wherever they are just like you are here in our chapel today and that the mighty moving of your Spirit, the mighty power of your Spirit would be manifest. God, we don't have to feel it because your Word says that you are in us. Whether we feel it or not, your Word has been out, it's been given out, it's out there and you will not take it back. So when we don't feel anything, we have everything. Because we have you. We have your power, your anointing. We have your presence. And when we do feel it, we feel it. And it is a quickening power, a quickening spirit. And it gives evidence to us that you're there. But in those times when we don't feel it, you're still there. And we walk by faith, as we say for so many years, and not by sight. We walk according to the word of God. So send your word today.
to the sick. Send your word to the infirm. Send your word to the discouraged. Send your word to the downtrodden. Send your word to the lost. Revolutionize their life. Give them new hope and new life. Give them peace in Jesus Christ. If you believe it's done, shout yes. Pastor, God bless. You know, how do you follow a message like that? The only thing I want to do is just believe God that He's taking you through. And you in the internet, I appreciate you that are watching with us right now. And I know that Pastor Al's already prayed. I, I received a text, I believe it was yesterday and someone had called me and talked to me and and they you know they've been listening to us for a long well they've been listening but they's listening asking me about some things that Pastor Al had said in one of our um, times we're sitting around the table and talking about the cancer situation and um I've known these people since I think about 1973. I used to be their pastor. And I prayed with them for maybe 10 minutes on the phone after our conversation. And the text says, your words of life are helpful. You have reached out to us and others you're the only pastor we know that does that. That's their thoughts. It's God's will that we see life without cancer. He will be, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I answered back that there's no cancer in heaven. And I've known this couple, as I said, for over 40-something years, and I was their pastor, but they still consider me their pastor even though I live in Texas and they live in Tennessee. I just said to them, I believe God is bringing you through. I didn't know what he was going to preach on today. I said, I believe God is bringing you through. And whatever it is that, whatever it is that you're needing, as you... As, as Pastor Al said, let's go out of this, this place and you that's watching, let's go out of this place with our hope in what God said. I, I, I appreciate what he said. I, I, I guess sometimes I might even be one of the ones that's asked Pastor Al and not even realizing I was asking him the question, what did the doctor say? You know, I've never really thought about that till. uh and you know, we, we, we're inquisitive. What did he say? Well, I like his answer. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? And I did tell this couple, I said, regardless of what's been said by the doctor, don't be repeating what the doctor has said to people. Repeat the Word of God because the Word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so I want us this morning as, as, as we're here, I want us to uh, 
I, I want us to go out of here in faith, believing that the rest of our life is the best of our life. Come on. Come on. You know, my prayer time this morning, I, I was shedding tears in my prayer time, and pardon me now, this not, I couldn't keep it out of my nose. And sorry about that. But you know, I, it wasn't because I was sad, it was just because I was in the presence of the Lord. Amen? And I just felt in the message this morning, I felt I wasn't to speak this morning, I felt just that God had a word for us today. When our son was killed, we didn't, we couldn't do anything about that. We couldn't bring him back. But God brought us through. Everybody say, God brought me through. See, there's some things you can't fix. There's some things God can't fix, but he can bring us through. Just like Shadrach, again, his point, I don't mean to be preaching his message again. But Shadrach, Meshach, and again, Bendigo didn't get delivered from the fire. They got delivered in the fire. I don't like the fire. <laughs> I don't like the fire. But I know one thing. We all have fire to go through and to walk through. And so, as we're finishing up here this morning, I want us to just believe the Lord that experience life church people touch the world we've got a big mission ahead of us Pastor Al is going to reach my age real soon he's going to be 76 real soon and boy am I going to have a good day out of that one y'all I'm telling you y'all I'm going to ask y'all to help me on that one we're going to have a big day on his 76th birthday and it may it will celebrate but we're going to have some fun celebrating that 76th birthday uh, we're going to have a little pun in there on that one and we may have a little humor on that one on his 76th birthday won't we Linda you and I know how, how this feels don't we so I'm going to get with you, Linda, and we're going to plan something on his 76th birthday. <laughs> we, we may uh, stick him with some forks or something. I don't know what we might do. But anyway, um, I'm, just, I'm just blessed that you're here. People are watching that's great friends of ours and and people that we don't know and my beautiful wife is here this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it just just say that this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it come on this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. And we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. Uh, I started to have Pastor Al to do this since he was up here, but I just forgot it. But you here in the church service, you can bring your offerings down here. And of course, our people in this control room are showing you our website, eoglobal.church. 
elglobal.church. Everybody say elglobal.church. Now that means that it's experienced life, but we're going global. We're not just in this room. We're a global church. We're not just in this room. And you that are out there, sometimes I speak to you each week, and, and I know some people, they, they watch us and, and for some reason don't participate financially. Well, that's your choice if you don't. But I was sitting with my wife last night and I got a beautiful text from a woman in Canada. And she said, Pastor Don, I have just completed in the ministry $100 to elglobal.church. That watch our broadcast on Tuesday night. Can you say amen? I appreciate that person doing that and anyone that wants to be a part of our mission work you know here in the, the, the building and people around the world as you're a part and you share God will open the windows of heaven I said God will open the windows of heaven and he will bless you abundantly for what you do and I, I just want to say as we close the service here today, we don't come here in this room just because it's Sunday. We come here to love our Lord. Amen. 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 We come to love our Lord. Amen. And you know, as, as Pastor Al was closing, I, I thought about that song we used to sing years ago, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion you understood. And that's all I remember of it. All I had to offer you was brokenness and strife. But you made something beautiful out of my life. If I'd sing it, I could. If I, if I could, I would. But God's making something beautiful right now. God's making something beautiful right now. Father, I thank you that you're making something beautiful out of everyone that's a part of this webcast, the people that's in this room. You're making something beautiful today. And every gift, every gift that they have given, their tithe, God, I just pray that you just open the windows of heaven. Open the windows of heaven and bless them abundantly. Bless them going in and bless them going out. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for touching hearts today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, you understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. He's making something beautiful right now out of your life. Can you say thank God? Let's just stand on our feet. Come on, let's just worship the Lord as we close. Father, we just give you praise. We just give you thanks. 
We thank you for the message today. We thank you for the message today of how you're bringing us through. You're bringing us through, Lord. We're not going to stop where we started. We're not going to stay where we are. But we're walking by faith. We're walking by faith. We take every step by faith. We take every step by faith. Our journey is not ended. Our journey is not finished. But we're walking by faith. And we give you praise. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to say bye to our internet audience. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for watching today. And God's blessings and best to you.